Listen, if the rumors are true and Shayna Baszler has been off WWE television because creative has quote-unquote nothing for her, then they're a bunch of fucking morons, and they deserve the slipping of the ratings and the fact that I won't even watch the product anymore. They continue to trot out untalented, dangerous workers in the women's division, including someone like Nia Jax, instead of a legitimate badass who's ready-made for television and can actually look like a legitimate threat. It is ridiculous and drives me up a fucking wall. Yeah. Coming up on the Miss Bots podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the very event. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. So, it's kind of funny. We haven't been watching Raw for three weeks, four weeks now? I think it's three. Yet we continue to throw rocks at uh, their house. Well, listen, listen. <laughs> I, I, I'm still... Uh, so, I, I, I long ago stopped looking at the SmackDown rundowns or any of that kind of stuff. But I still check on Tuesday morning to see the ups and downs on what culture or I'll read the, the rundowns of, of raw and what happened. Uh, not, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm not missing anything. Everything looks like the same total garbage that it was before. We've got big show feuding with Randy Orton and it's 2020 to go figure. But when you look at Shayna Baszler and how excited I was to see Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch and we talked about this and in the bill that they can put together and the fact that Shayna Baszler is a legitimate badass she is someone I want to boo she has a presence about her she's not a great promo and you know what she's not even a great professional wrestler but she's a believable fighter and what she does in the ring comes off as something that I I want to see. I want to see someone have to counter her. I want to see someone have to overcome her. And she's one of the few people. She's she's basically has some of the legitimacy that Asuka had when she showed up on the scene in NXT of being someone who looked like they were dangerous and looked uh, looked like nobody else. That's another thing. Shayna Baszler doesn't look like Lacey Evans or Mandy Rose. She looks like a fucking fighter. And I can't believe that that doesn't have something to do with this, by the way, because the WWE, even though they took the Divas title off of them, they still want to push all these women as sex symbols and have nothing to do with their in-ring ability. Not that there's not great in-ring ability with Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks and, and Charlotte, but the, the being traditionally attractive doesn't hurt you when it comes to the WWE and their booking. And uh, you just have to call it out because... Yes, we're, I'm not watching Raw anymore and refuse to watch it any time in the near future, but it's still a shame when you have someone that could actually make me miss the product and you won't even put them on television. Oh, yeah. And I I actually disagree with one thing that you say there. You say that she's not a great professional wrestler. I think that she is a great professional wrestler. Okay. And in the short amount of time that she has been 
in professional wrestling by all like all accounts uh like you take into consideration all the other women and some of them how long they've been at this i feel like like Shayna has been at this a relatively short amount of time compared to some and she has just taken to it so well and has become a complete student of the game ha- uh, well, has become a uh, great worker in my opinion and is just such a great heel because she has the the pedigree of being a fighter and she backs that up and and, and just carries that in the ring I think she's very good, and, I, and I've enjoyed the matches that she's had that I've seen in NXT when I was watching a lot of NXT before I stopped watching NXT as much. So I, I, I probably didn't, didn't even see the best work she did in NXT near the end of her run as she was getting better and better. But you know, I respect Shayna Baszler as a worker, but I, I'm just putting out there that you don't have to be Shawn Michaels to, yeah. to be great at what you do. There are plenty of people that are not the best technical wrestler in the world that will, I mean, Hulk Hogan, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like some people just have charisma. They have obviously a completely different side of the spectrum, but they have charisma. They have legitimacy. There's somebody who you believe in. And I believe that Shayna Baszler is who Shayna Baszler comes off of as on on television. I don't believe Natalia is the person she comes off on television because her character changes every five minutes. I don't believe in Liv Morgan. I don't believe in Ruby Riot. I don't believe in half this women's division. And right now, I don't even believe in Charlotte Flair because she's cut the same promo every time she's cut a promo for the last three years. And uh, there's just there's holes in her game as far as her presentation, not her in-ring work, but as, as her believability in her presentation. So... I just think it's a shame, and while I, I'm not sitting here trying to throw stones at a product that I'm not watching anymore, I had to bring that up because I was so looking forward to Shayna Baszler getting a chat, uh, a shot uh, to 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 do it on Raw or SmackDown. Yeah, so, so that uh, was my little rant. Let's uh, let's stop talking about uh, the stuff WWE we hate. Raw. Let's talk yeah. a little bit before we get into Fighter Fest. Let's talk a little bit about NXT. This has been the thing that we have been slowly reintroducing into our lives. Um, we we have to watch it uh, after the fact of when we typically record these because we record right after AEW Dynamite since they're simultaneous. It's hard to uh, really talk about them both at the same time. Uh they decided to counter program Fighter Fest with Great American Bash, a two night event as well. <laughs> and shocking. I, I I have not watched all of the first night uh yet. I, I've been busy. Oh, okay. Uh but I I I watched the two matches that I was uh most interested in right off the bat. I watched uh, Timothy Thatcher and Oni Lorkin. And okay. uh, Roderick Strong and Dexter Loomis. Oh, that's, that's interesting that those are the two matches that stuck out the most to you. Yeah, like I, I want to watch. Like next up is Io Shirai and and Sasha. Uh, but like Timothy Thatcher has has grabbed me uh, since I started watching NXT again. I really love his character. Where has this guy been all my life? <laughs> if I were a professional wrestler and I am not anywhere, I'm 39 years old. I am in, I am not in good shape and I am not an athlete, 
But in my mind, if I was a professional wrestler, I would want to be Timothy Thatcher. This guy is incredible. I love the style that he has. I love the facial expressions. Everything he does in the ring. And Oni Lorcan, I've been high on Oni Lorcan. The stuff I've seen mostly with him has been in a tag team. And yeah. a lot of, you know, a lot of fast and furious kind of stuff. To see Lorcan, who I already really liked, wrestle on this style. Everything they were doing in this match, not, it was smooth, but it wasn't too smooth. It was roughed up a little. Yeah. And it felt like they were fighting for position. Exactly. It felt like they yep. weren't trying to work with each other. Every now and then they try to do a, a whip in and Lorcan didn't take the whip in and goes back in and grabs a headlock or grabs an arm. There were there were these aspects of this match that looked like a fight. It looked like two people in a competition trying to get the upper hand. And yeah. I was watching every I was on the edge of my seat. Uh, Morrow and Beth had a chance to shine calling a professional wrestling match in this way, which was amazing. Uh, Thatcher's facials are, are, are next level. He, he's selling everything on his face, every movement, every hold that he's in or hold that he's giving. He's got a, he's got something locked in and he's freaking looking up and he, and the second he twists a little bit more, he sells it on his face as well as his body. Everything sells it. So we know that he's cinching up on a hold that, he probably hasn't cinched up on it all, yeah. but we feel like he has, and Lorcan's selling like he has, and all of a sudden I'm pulled into it. This was, uh, for me, this is match of the year candidate. <laughs> I loved this match. I I am blown away by this because I I thought that you would appreciate this match. I didn't think that you would love it as much uh, as that because I, I really did enjoy this match a lot. Uh, for uh, for practically everything that you said there, it was just, it, I, I to harp on and harping is not the right word, but to to harp on the point that you said about it was a little roughed up. I love that because it 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 is exactly they're working for the position, and no one's just going to give that to you in a fight. You're going to have to work for it. It was a lot like a grappling match, like a jujitsu type of thing. And I, I, I love the hell out of this. Match. Not a quote, not a quote unquote rest hold to be seen anywhere. They're fighting for position. They're countering each other's moves. This was just great. Now, My, by the way, every match on NXT or on any show shouldn't be this. Right. Yeah. You, you don't want to have an entire show of this. You, you do have to have your people in, in some of the more unbelievable contrived positions. I, I want less of that than what we normally get. But I'm not saying every single match should be this. But if more matches felt like this, I do not remember seeing a bunch of stuff that I didn't believe in this match. It was just well done. Uh, I believed every aspect of it. The finish was good. It was just, this is what I want. If yeah. you want to say, I, I complain about everything, and I'm going to complain about some stuff later on. <laughs> I complain about everything. And you say, well, what do you actually want to see? I want this. I want this in my professional wrestling. So, I want so let me ask, this in my presentation. Let me ask you this, Kevin. Have you ever watched any world of sport wrestling? No. 
the old British uh, nope. world of sport. Don't know anything about it. You should. You should. You know what? I have a I have a bachelor party coming up soon mm-hmm. that uh, uh okay is going to take place at your house. We can watch some world of sport. I'm sure Joel and Phil will be thrilled, but we'll have a good time. <laughs> but listen, uh, I, I just I I'm I'm so thrilled to find this. I I, I now I, I am going to go back and watch Thatcher's. Because I haven't watched nothing else. This is the first match I've seen with this person. I've mm-hmm. seen the vignettes. I'm gonna go back and watch the other stuff because I wanted I want to see this guy perform again. And yeah. I, I started looking his stuff up and where he came from and all these kind of things. And it, it's it makes me happy to get excited about a wrestler again in this way. Yeah, he had a feud with uh, Matt Riddle. Uh, because he he took Pete Dunne's place as uh tag partner uh for the tag titles and turned on Riddle and then they had a a cage match of sorts yeah, with yeah. Kurt Angle as the referee. But uh, but I heard I heard that was more but, that was more um contrived in some ways. But I heard good things about that. I heard yeah. people really really enjoyed it. Uh. The what did you think now about the Dexter Loomis and the Roderick Strong thing? I thought this it was solid. Like it it seemed like a uh like a strap match. There the stakes were elevated a little bit. There were some uh, contrived spots, but uh, it definitely wasn't a main event level strap match. Like they didn't go completely. I feel like balls to the wall. If this was a, a title. Uh, match but I I thought that it was a solid showing by both guys I I think that Loomis winning was the right decision there uh, since they seem to be pretty high on him the thing that came away with it I thought this was a good strap match I I haven't seen a lot of great strap matches uh, myself yeah Uh, I thought that Roderick Strong did a great job in this match he bumped all over the place and made Loomis look good I think Loomis did fine. I didn't see a lot from <laughs> Dexter Loomis is in the unenviable position of being a person whose job is to sell nothing, to <laughs> stare blankly and look creepy. Well, when you're not able to sell anything, I mean, even when he's selling, he's not selling, right? He's He's got that. I mean, this is a terrible comparison, but it's the only one I can come up with. He's Undertaker in 1993. You know, he's he's supposed to be this dead faced person so it does it's hard to work on that you yeah. know he's the baby face in this situation i guess even he though he, tr- he locked a guy in a trunk and he's weird and uncomfortable but i guess he's the baby face but he's not selling hurt and pain and stuff like that like a normal baby face would and he's kind of just coming straight forward it was it was a weird dynamic but he's a good looking guy I mean, he's got a good look to him. He's got the physique. It's. I think that the character, when I first saw it, I was like, well, this is different. And now it's like, okay, well, I'm not sure different is good. And that, I'm my, my, my feelings on that, the, the judges are out. Um, there were a lot of other things on the card that happened that were just kind of okay. I thought that was a fine show. The one thing I will talk about, and I won't talk too much about the Io Shirai and the, and the Sasha Banks thing, but... One thing that came out of that and one note I made was Io Shirai is the only person in professional wrestling who should ever do a Hurricane Rana ever again. (laughs) Because when Io Shirai does a Hurricane Rana, she 
the way her body torques, the way she moves backwards and flips backwards, she's got, for the most part, her thigh is wrapped around that person's head. It looks believable that she's pulling this person back around to do a front flip. It's something about her body language, the way she moves. It looks believable. 95% of the people who do a Hurricane Rana are doing a backflip while the other person simultaneously doing a front flip. And that's exactly what it looks like. You're lucky if the person doing that move has their tips at the backs of their heels around the other person's head. It's lucky if as they're flipping backwards, it looks like they are making any contact with the person they're giving the move to. And you're also lucky if they all do it all in the same time in the same timing <laughs> so that it doesn't look like someone did a backflip and then with the one second delay, the other person, person did a front flip. So when I saw Io Shirai do a Hurricane Rana, I was like, oh, that's how it's done. That's the only person that should do it. So <laughs> that was what came out of that match for me. Because I, I, I hate that move. I, I really hate that move. I don't think it very, it almost ever looks good, but she made it look good. And it goes to show you, in my opinion, that a lot of these uh, these high spot moves, there's a reason why there used to be like one or two people or one person in a territory that did this one thing because they were the one that knew how to do it well. And now you've got everyone does a dive to the outside when in the WWE, Samoa Joe's the only one does it well. Because when Samoa Joe does a dive to the outside through the ropes, he cocks back his forearm and delivers it with, it looks like force and knocks a guy back while everyone he else just, just, they just gently, have their hands out. Yeah. Gently pushes you into the barricade. Right. So if they should go back to the drawing board, I'm telling you in these and say, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do, you don't do this anymore because you look like shit when you do that. Do shit that you know how to do. So that's my little rant about that. But it was the Charlotte can't spear. Charlotte should never. She's actually, I mean, when I was still watching, we had remarked that she had actually delivered a couple of <laughs> good spears. Yeah. But yeah. There are just certain things it's like, don't do this. You know, I, I think Britt Baker does a, um, a sling blade. It's never looked good once. Don't do that move anymore. You know, it's it, there are just certain things that I, I wish that there was someone in the back that, that when they came in through the curtain said, we got to talk about something. You're really talented, but not for this. So let's take this out of your arsenal. Let's work on something else. You're talent, talented for some things. That's not one of them. But not everything. Not to mention the fact that every single person doing the same exact freaking moves drives, it just kills the business and kills the believability of it and kills people for high spots because they just saw that three times this time, this this episode within the last 30 minutes. So why is it a big deal? Yeah. And speaking of that, AEW. <laughs> All right. So you like, my, you like my transitions, don't you? Uh, perfect. Yes. <laughs> they They hit the spot every time. Um. All right, night two of Fighter Fest. I assume Kevin has some issues here. Well, I watched the same tag match three times. That was cool. <laughs> Bunch of bullshit. Bunch of people running around. No idea who tagged in who or who was a legal man. Bunch of outside stuff. Bunch of nonsense. If they were going to do the same tag match three times, they should have done the exact tag match three times and got it right. 
Good point. <laughs> uh, I, I again, liked the tag team title match. I know we differed on this last week, but I, I enjoyed this match. There, there certainly was unnecessary stuff and it got a little spotty at points, but sometimes it's, it's hard to justify something other than just saying, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I had fun watching it. And listen, you're not wrong in that. I'm not trying to, to put you down, but the first five minutes of this was just bullshit. In my opinion, they just started doing a bunch of crap uh, that Spanish fly, that double Spanish fly. That, yeah, I didn't was like that. Possibly the worst professional wrestling move I've ever seen in my life. It was so contrived. It looked like shit. It was awful. And it capped like the first five to six minutes of this match where people were just running around doing things. The match settled down a little bit, but I mean, I know this is a little thing, but it, this is what this is what I'm looking at in a tag match. Isaiah Cassidy at one point needs to make a tag because he's just delivered one of many high spot moves. So he needs to make a tag. Omega's laying on the on the apron like a like a lump, right? He's on the ground like a lump. Cassidy goes over, makes what would looks like kind of a desperate tag, right? Immediately comes back in the ring. Immediately. He was hurting. He was hurting. He needs to get out. He needs to tag out. It's not like Omega was reaching out for a tag to try to tag, tag in Page. No, he's a dead lump on the on the ground. So we didn't have the drama of the two guys reaching for the tag and Mark Quinn coming in and grabbing Omega away. No, no, no. We get Cassidy. I need to tag out. I'm hurt. Immediately comes back in the ring to do big spot double moves. So on a lump of, of coal on the ground who's just laying there. There's no flow to these matches. It's just a bunch of stuff that's happening. And there's no baby face and no heel. That, to me, hurts this match huge. Who am I supposed to be rooting for? Who am I supposed to be in with? I, I just, yeah, it becomes I just an expedition, or exhibition when it's two faces. That's what it was. This is NFL preseason games to me. And yes, there's a lot of talent in, talent in this match. Of course there is. These guys can do amazing, amazing things. Kenny Omega delivers moves with an impact and a speed that I wish everybody could. But he's a shitty tag team wrestler. <laughs> I mean, I just don't think he's good at that job. And I, I, I did not like the match. I thought the finish was the only redeeming part about it. I liked the finish. I liked how the finish was set up. I liked the fact that the tag champs went over. And I liked how they got to it. I thought it was a good spot. But I could have thrown everything else out the window because I didn't enjoy it. I also like... Uh... The, the continuation of JR playing up uh, the past issues between Omega and, and Paige. Keep, keeping that seed well watered. Uh, I think commentary is great. I, I continue to enjoy what they're doing. And I know these guys are trying to sell what's in front of them. And, I, and honestly, uh, obviously, I don't like what's in front of them very often, but they're still doing their best to put it over. I like Hangman Page. I like the dynamic between Page and Omega. I like that there's still some some stuff under bubbling under the surface. 
but I really want to see them drop these titles now. I, I, I have not liked the match that they have been in in a while, and that might be my taste changing, but I just want to see a good old-fashioned tag team match, and th- they can't put one on, or they don't want to put one on is the better way of putting that. Yeah, I almost feel like at this point, Omega and Page still having the titles are holding back the rest of the division from being able to have other like tag feuds that maybe need the the titles to elevate them a little bit more. They're two talented people. I did really enjoy their early work. There were some great matches we commented on. We really enjoyed, uh, but this is to me is is lacking a lot. Uh, my money. The the Lance Archer Joey Janela match did that should have been sub five minutes. Go and fuck yourself, AEW. If you want me to believe Joey Janela can hang with Lance Archer, and also Lance Archer put him through a table, a table, and there was no DQ. Are you the referee watched it? Kidding me? I. Boggles my imagination. You know, back in the day, I remember reading this absurdity that Bill Watts went back into WCW and he wanted to reinstitute the fact that if you threw someone over the top rope, you'd be DQ'd and no one could jump off the top rope. And I was I remember that. I was like, this more, and just looking back on it going, this fucking idiot, this old man thinks this, that, and the other. I remember seeing Macho Man Randy Savage jump off the top rope and deliver an elbow drop. Are you telling me you can't do that? This idiot from a bygone era has no idea how to book wrestling, and it's 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 moronic. I get it now. I get <laughs> why you you need to have rules that heels break in certain circumstances to tell stories. When when AEW is now ECW and there's no rules whatsoever, then who cares? Who cares what happens with Lance Archer and Joey Janela and when a guy puts a person through a table if the ref isn't going to call a DQ? Who cares about wins and losses when this is this is an obvious situation where it should have been called? We'll see that in the other tag matches where there's no rules. So why does it matter? If you try to, if, if at this point, this is a rule that we have to show that we're not breaking, but five minutes later we break that rule anyway, there's no consistency in it. There's no storytelling in it. It's just garbage. Joe, I don't watch Dark because there's only so much wrestling I can digest on a weekly basis. I don't like Joey Janela. I've never seen him in anything that I would call a wrestling match. Uh, he's just a guy. He's not believable in this situation. He should not be hanging with Lance Archer. And if he is going to get in a match with Lance Archer and be put through a table, give him a DQ finish and let him fight from underneath and tell that story about coming back to avenge himself. Or let him get squashed and then thrown through a table later on. Yeah. I, 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 I hated this with a passion undying. It did nothing for anyone involved. Lance Archer beating Joey Janela is the same as Lance Archer beating some guy in the stands. I, I don't I don't know how that helped him. And I certainly don't know how it helped him to fight him for 15 fucking minutes. Yeah. Um, I, say this, I, I say this, by the way, having never seen Joey Janela do anything on the independence, 
I, I've seen only AEW stuff with him, and he's never been pushed as a serious wrestler. No, he, he, he at best he's been put as like a, the feisty will fight you and get hardcore with you. See, that uh, I think it was early on that hardcore match with Moxley, uh, and that was I, I think really his pinnacle at that uh, uh, like in AEW that I can recall. I I know he's had this story on Dark, like you said. Uh, with he fought Sonny Spears Kiss. at one point, and he was in a thing with Kip Sabian. But this is the thing. I feel like he's had multiple, quote-unquote, feuds, and they just went away. Yeah. I, I don't know how that—how did it end up with Sean Spears? How did it end up with Kip Sabian? I don't remember. I have no idea. Did these end, end on dark? If you're going to get behind someone, and uh, maybe Joey Janela is a really talented guy. Maybe his personality really stands out. I haven't seen him cut a good promo. Haven't seen him wrestle a good match. But maybe he has that in him. But they just haven't shown it to us. Yeah. It's it's like, it's it's like. By the way, I, I'm going to talk to. I'm sorry to cut you off there, but when they did this thing with Brian Cage and they pulled this championship belt out with Taz, I don't know what the fuck that is. I, yeah. It, AEW wants us to assume that every one of us knows every little thing about uh, independent wrestling and, I guess, classic ECW. You got to help me out more, man. I haven't been watching this stuff. Yeah, uh, I I think what hinders them with that uh, with the with the title is the fact that it was an ECW thing. And WWE owns the rights to ECW, so they can't show footage. They probably aren't going, they aren't, although I don't, they've never had issues with mentioning uh, other certain promotions before uh, by name. They've never mentioned WWE by name, but they, I feel like could have done a little bit more with bringing that up and Maybe next week they'll show a, a video package as to or or have Taz in one of those little talking vignette things talk about the history of why he created that title and what what it is. But if you're not that, gonna, that would be helpful. But if you're not going to show us in the first thing, maybe don't do it. Maybe yeah. tease an announcement for next week. I, I I just I feel that they are catering to a fan and I'm a pretty big wrestling fan. We do a wrestling podcast. I mean, I I know a lot about pro wrestling, not nearly as much as you about independence and 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 some of the non WCW WWE stuff over the years. But I know a lot of stuff. <laughs> and I don't know half of what they're talking about. I don't know these guys in the independence that they that they brought in that they're treating like big stars. So uh, one maybe that's I, on me. One thing I wanted to mention when you were talking about dark too is I appreciate that they run the results. Uh, that's a good uh, thing on the screen, but I do wish that they would do a little bit more, uh, like like quick little video recaps, maybe of that would help what went on, just so we can kind of get an idea, and and especially when a dark storyline comes up to dynamite. Give us one of those little 
quick video packages that tell us about what has been going on on Dark just to catch us up. Give us a little bit more because, yeah, not everyone watches Dark, uh, us included, and it would just be nice to have some sort of starting point on it. That's a great point. And and I like the fact that they do a recap, but yes, it would be a, a short video package of this happened, this happened, this happened. And by the way, if they did that, maybe they'd get more people to tune into Dark because, yeah. oh, we're, we're seeing some stuff here that we want to see. So I think that's definitely I think a I saw a flash along the bottom there. Brian Pillman Jr. Right. Versus yeah. Sean Spears. Yeah. Yeah. So there there are things I think they could do to, to better integrate their, their fan base into it. Uh, <clears throat> so apparently and I'm not the, I'm not to steal your thunder here. I know you're going to start talking about probably the next match, which is the eight man tag match, which I have tons of things to say about, but, uh, Darby Allen is such a badass that he can jump off of a high density, high, high guy. I killed this by the way, off of a <laughs> high platform and he can land and a pool full of foam. What a badass. What, I mean, just, a, I mean, last week or the week before, he was skateboarding like it was 1994. And this week, he's jumping into a pile of, he's basically jumping into a ball pit at a Chuck E. Cheese. Is this supposed to make me like him? Is uh, next week is he going to wrestle someone in one of those big inflatable sumo suits? Uh, is the week after is he going to do a cannonball into a ten foot pool? What nonsense are they doing to try to make this person like seem impressive to us? He basically went to a theme park and jumped off into a crash pad. Cool, dude. The week to week transition was not stellar. Uh, for uh, if you were looking for high risk or extreme, as was a thing uh, at one point with with all of that uh, type of thing. Yeah, I, I was like, all right, what's he doing? He's always oh, jumping off something into. A, yeah, there there's a thing down here. I know there's multiple locations called I think it's called Monkey Joe's. Or something like yeah. that. And it's practically just those, like foam pits that you can yeah. jump off trampolines into for, I would do for that kids. Yeah. With absolutely no fear, I would do exactly what he did because there's no danger in it whatsoever. That just looked like fun. His his he, skateboarding stuff looked way like at least from a, a dangerous standpoint, especially when he did that like the backflip uh for, like I don't need to get into the the technicalities, but that looked way more dangerous than jumping into a foam pit. And it looked, I mean, it looked like it was hard. I don't care about him doing backflips onto skateboards, but I, I don't give a shit, but it looked, at least looked difficult. The only thing that was missing in that video was a overdub of me going, "wee" <laughs> as he fell down into it. It was stupid. I really liked Darby Allen. I thought that this guy has physical charisma. He's an underdog baby face. He can get over. He had been getting over. And now someone, I, it feels like there's no direction. Like they literally said, just send us shit and we'll put it on TV. Someone has to look at this and go, you're killing your gimmick. 
You look like a moron. And the cherry on top is this was all directed at Cage. Like, hey, Cage, you're the one who made me medically not clear. So watch what I'm going to do to you. Wee! Wee! I fell into foam. Aren't I a stinker? It was idiotic. And the quicker that Darby Allen can get back TV and wrestle some matches, uh, the better we are all going to be for it. Yeah. Uh, now you want to you wanna voice your issues with the eight-man tag match? Do you want me to go first, or do you want to tell me how much you like this and that uh, I can be juxtaposed? There were parts of it that I did really like. I I enjoyed the early on portions where the where FTR were pretty much just the only ones tagging each other in and out. They were working a tag match. Great. And and I liked some of the stuff towards the end, but it like any AEW match broke down, became difficult to remember who is the legal person. Way too many instances where they were abusing the 10 count. Yes, I get it. It is the rule that they have a 10 count. And I saw the ref. I, I paid attention to watch the ref counting. But it's just like, it just seems like abuse to me. To it's, be, a 30, it's a 35 count, honestly. I mean, if we're really being, you know, straightforward with it. I love the first five minutes of this match. I loved it. I was like, these guys are actually going to wrestle a eight-man tag match and actually have a tag match? A wrestling match? And then it broke down into a whole bunch of cute BS where we had no idea who was the legal person. And they there was didn't a, at one point, too. No, they didn't. They had no idea. And there, and by the way, the ref actually got on him about it and got the right yeah. person in the ring, I guess, so that was good. So the ref actually showed some authority, which never happens in AEW. Uh, but there was a point when the babyface side, which includes FTR for some reason, and by the way, I still don't understand why they didn't just have FTR come in, beat the hell out of a bunch of teams, get a bunch of wins under their belt, go after the Bucks or go after the tag champs and win the titles or beat the Bucks or have a great series with the Bucks. Having them playing babyface on the Bucks side against other people it just seems convoluted and unnecessary. Whatever happened to having a team come in and beat the hell out of people for a long time and you know that they're badasses and you know that they're people you should pay attention to? I, I don't get that. But they had a situation where they all tagged each other. Tags. Yeah. We tagged. Which means yeah. now we all can be in the ring. And then we all do things. So is that a rule that I'm not aware of? That's not how any of this works. <laughs> and and by the way, so they made a point to ta tag or tagging. We're doing tags to each other and now we're all legal. They made a point to do this so that they could do all their shit. Bullshit. But there were four other times in the match where they were all in the ring anyway. Yeah. So if the rule is if you want to set a rule that I can tag you and you tag me and I tag you and I tag the guy in the third row and you tag the freaking uh, person that's on the ring bell and you tag the guy in the production truck and everyone could come into the ring. If you want to do that, cool. 
stop everybody from fighting each other four other times in the match when they all did the same shit anyway. God, I hate this. I love FTR. Do do the 10 seconds stack too. So like <laughs> you, t- you tag that one guy in. So it's 10 seconds and another, oh, now it's 20. And then another, it's 30. Now, now, now there's, they're in there for a minute. They legally have it. I guess, man. I, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm Bill Watts at this point. I want rules. I want to have things clearly defined. And if that means we don't get that sequence, I'm okay with that because that sequence wasn't great. It was fine, but it wasn't great. It wasn't anything that I'm going to write home about. And remember for the next, you know, 20 years from now going, hey, remember that time that the Young Bucks and FTR did all those crazy, those crazy tags and they did some shit? I'm not going to remember that. I'm not going to care. So, and, and speaking of that, the Canadian destroyer from the ring over the top rope to the outside, that was a impressive move made and done by impressive athletes. But who the fuck cares when it doesn't mean anything? It didn't lead to a pin. It didn't even lead to a false finish. It was something that just happened in the middle of the match. And it should have killed somebody. And it was just a thing. If you're He pile going, drove a person onto a bunch of other persons. Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. And that's the epitome of this. There is so much good stuff that happens with all these teams. And I feel like they just threw them all in a bucket and said, well, do all the shit that you do and none of it's going to matter. And then we're going to do this finish. So that's how I felt about that. Yeah. uh, I mean, it's, I don't, I don't get it at this point as to, Unless this is just uh, us being, again, like not in the majority of, of, of fans who are into this sort of thing. Like, how has no one been like, hey, guys, this, this, this and this issues. Tidy that up. And uh, unless that is just what the the modern wrestling fan is looking for is just chaotic spots and that's what they're just going out there and doing because that's what the majority of fans want to see. I I believe, and it couldn't, it might not be correct, but I believe it's because we've conditioned them to, to think that. And people think, Oh, well, WWE is a little more buttoned up. No, they're not. They do all the same shit. They don't do as many outlandish things. You've never seen a Canadian destroyer over the uh, top rope from the inside to the outside under 14 people. But they've, they've, they've rendered everything meaningless. Every move is meaningless and they've been doing it for the last 15 years. So by doing that, they have conditioned everyone to think, I mean, even the, all the hardcore matches in the WWE and ECW, all the tables, ladders, and chairs matches with the Hardys and Edge and Christian and the Dudley boys, they did everything you could do in the first time they did it. And then people have been trying to top it for however many years, and it doesn't work because there's no, there's no way to top it. 
The best bump that's ever been taken hardcore-wise was Mick Foley getting thrown off the Hell in the Cell. It was the only one that's ever looked meaningful off and or real. Through. No, off. Well, the okay. through one was actually a mistake, but yeah. But when he got thrown off that Hell in the Cell, Undertaker grabbed him and ran with him and threw him. That looked like it could have happened. Every other one since then is a guy standing up there for 14 minutes, staring down at a person laying prone at a table for another 15 minutes and then deciding to cross themselves and jump off of it. Everything that we're doing is is trying to top things that have happened before that can never be topped because they actually some of them actually look believable. And I wish they would slow these things down. I wish that FTR could just go out and put on great tag matches that I actually cared about because I was into the first five minutes of this match, into it. And by the way, we got another match to talk about before then. I was into Jericho and Orange Cassidy. Yeah. Because even though there was some bullshit in there that annoyed the shit out of me, Orange Cassidy was a babyface selling his ass off, being sympathetic, and Jericho's beating the shit out of him. And I cared. That he, works. He's a great seller. Uh, that works for me. Yeah. That word, and I don't even like Orange Cassidy because I I don't like the the nonsense around it. I wish he would keep the nonsense outside the match and, and and be a competitor inside the match. But and there were some spots where he he did that. But if you just have a baby face and a heel and one of them selling, I'm gonna be okay. I I uh, to move on to that match. I thought that the nonsense from. Uh, Orange Cassidy was very much in the minority of the match. What I hated about this is that Orange Cassidy was bloodied. He he wore the bloody shirt out to the ring again. He wore it the week before. Orange Cassidy is pissed. He's he's not selling it because he holds his thumb up like this and it kind of doesn't give a shit, right? But he, you can tell he's pissed, bubbling under the surface. And instead of not putting his hands in his pockets and going after Chris Jericho like a rabid pit bull or a rabid chihuahua because he's kind of small. He put his hands in his pockets and did his shit. And I hated that because this was the perfect opportunity for him to go to eschew all that. By the way, later on in the match, when he when Jericho is kind of dazed and Cassie puts his hands in his pants and does the kicks and then gives him a super kick, I was cool with that because yeah. Jericho was kind of dazed so he can play with him a little bit. He's toying with him. But at the start of the match, when he does that, I'm just like, Chris Jericho beat the fuck out of this guy because he's, he doesn't want to come to fight. He's come to do his gimmick. He's come to do his cheesy bullshit. After that spot, I loved everything up until, I mean, there was a lot of, there was fucking baseball bat shots and there was fucking orange juice and there was, uh, a little bit too much. But overall, I like this. This was the best match on the card. Uh yeah. I I would I would go with that. I I'm okay with the shtick at the beginning of the match. I, I look at it as him trying to get under Jericho's skin because he knows that Jericho doesn't like that. And but like he eventually got caught and Jericho like figured it out. Started beating the hell out of him. He is the now sympathetic baby face who is just getting whipped like a government mule. 
uh, to steal one of uh, their lines and and then makes a great comeback. Like you said, the little bit of playing with Jericho there and then hitting him with a real super kick. Great. Um, I mean, he did also do like the the lazy splash at one point to to go back into some of his shtick. But I mean, that dude played such a great sympathetic baby face through the beatings that he took in that he kicked out of a code breaker uh, like to, to a code breaker after a baseball shot, baseball yeah. bat shot. There was a little bit too much of that for me. Uh, but listen, I, I think Orange Cassidy could he's he's a small dude. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, I kind of at this point, I compare people to Daniel Bryan. Is he smaller than Daniel Bryan? Is he about the same size as Daniel? Bryan? I would because, say he's probably a little smaller than Daniel Bryan because Daniel Bryan's not a big guy. But I believed him as a world champion, and I per- believed Daniel Bryan as an, underdo- an underdog babyface. Maybe it's because I just like Daniel Bryan. But when I look at Orange Cassidy, I'm like, yeah, he shouldn't be standing up to Chris Jericho. He shouldn't be wrestling some of these guys. But when he gets in the ring and he's actually seriously fighting, like he did with with Pack. I, I I believe it. I, I want to get rid of... I, I, I think I said this before. The stuff on the outside of the ring where he's being aloof and silly, I'm 100% on board for. But the second he steps in the ring, everything he does has, has to be... If it's going to be a little silly, it's got to be mind games in some way, shape, or form. Like you mentioned how you took it. I didn't take it that way. I felt that this guy needs to want to freaking sink his teeth in this guy into Jericho's neck. And he started out by pussyfooting around and playing games. But once again, I was able to look past that because I thought the match was good and it told a good story. And while I thought just like a Cody Rhodes match, there was a lot of shit going on and probably could have cut off five minutes of it. It would have been better. But I liked Orange Cassidy better at the end of this match than I did at the start. So, that worked. Jericho yeah, went uh, over. Mission accomplished. Jer- yeah. Jericho went over because Jericho's the bigger star. He should have. You and I both pitch- picked Orange Cassidy in this, by the way, and we we were wrong. But the reason why this worked, and I enjoyed it because you had a baby face and a heel and a guy selling and another guy beating the crap out of him. And it was all the external stuff that I could have get done, done without. I don't know. This is the wrestling I like. I'll take Timothy Thatcher. I'll take this match. These are the two best matches <laughs> that I I saw in the last week. You know, Kevin wants every match to be inside of a steel cage so that no one can go to the outside. I, I, I this is what I want. If you're gonna book three tag team matches on one show, give me the eight person tag match. Let it go crazy. Give me some reason for it. Keep the 10 count real, but let it be an insane thing. But don't give me that in the other two ones too. Don't put, don't book each one of your matches to basically be the same as the other match. I mean, we didn't talk about the Dark Order thing with SCU, but this was another match that just broke down and had a bunch of shit going on. I liked the result. I like the fact that uh, that Dark Order went over. I like the fact that Colt got the pin when Brody Lee goes, no, no, go in there, you get the pin because we're trying to build you up and make you feel comfortable with this. I like the storyline around it, but if you're going to book three tag team matches, make them different. 
One of them never go to the outside. One of them never do a dive. One of them never have the entire thing break down into a schmaz. So that when we see that thing, it seems special. Not like we just saw it five minutes ago. I'm okay with the idea that, you know, it's a circus. And if you don't like the, you know, the uh, the acrobats, you're going to love the, you know, the guy driving around in the motorcycle in the cage. I, I get that. But don't give me the same thing in every single match. And that's what it feels like the AEW does. The clowns just come out way too much. Number clowns, man. Number clowns. Uh, yeah, I, I like the first night of Fighter Fest much more than the second. Okay. Uh, I enjoyed the first night. This second night, I just was like, ah, oh, man, I don't want to bitch about this so much, but I just I have no other choice. When the when the FTR match started, and I was like, oh, this first five minutes is great. I was so excited to say something really, really nice about this, and then it all broke down, and I got pissed again. I, I would agree I like night one more. Uh, I, I'm i not completely down on night two. It, it was still uh, more enjoyable than practically anything WWE has uh, put out when we were watching it this year. I don't disagree with you on that. Um, oh, we, we failed to mention uh, Nyla Rose is, has a manager, but she's not unveiling who it is yet. I mean, that's, that, that's uh, advancing an angle, which is good. Uh, Nyla Rose beat up people, which is also good. Uh, Nyla Rose is a beast and she should be destroying people and never should have lost a championship, by the way. But hey, listen, it is what it is. Uh, and I also like that, you know, when I was watching this, I went, you know, there should be managers chasing her. I mean, I don't know if you remember back yeah. in the day. I mean, you, you started watching, uh, WWE. F and wrestling later than I did, but I vaguely remember at least hearing whispers about, you know, Macho Man Randy Savage being wooed by all the managers in WWF. And I do remember specifically Bam Bam Bigelow being wooed by all the managers in WWF. I, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, I also so, remember when Shawn Michaels was looking for a bodyguard okay. and, and there was like the, there were people who were like, Oh, I should be your bodyguard. I should be the bodyguard. Uh, like, yeah, the auditions, so, uh, so I was, interviews. When I was watching that, I was like, oh, that's what they should be doing. But that's just because I'm leaning back on storylines I saw before. I, I don't know if I've ever seen someone go out there and go, well, I got a manager. I'm not going to tell you who it is. I, yeah. I was looking for a manager. So maybe this is a better angle. It's just not a classic angle. So I, I, can, I have a lot of respect for that in the way that they booked it. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I'm. I'm curious to to see who it is. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this one out there. I'm gonna probably be wrong, but it would be kind of cool if it was James Mitchell, uh, who was the sinister minister. Yeah, I know James Mitchell. Yeah, because uh, he's been he's been connected to some uh, possibilities in uh, AEW for a while. He was. He was thought of as a potential for being the exalted one at one point yeah. uh, by some people. So uh, maybe maybe he can come in and uh, be uh, a nefarious person in the the corner of Nyla Rose. I mean, I, I like the idea of uh, Jake Roberts. If he, right. he had yeah. Nyla, you know, and Lance Archer, I think that would be a, a nice little mini stable to to have. Yeah, I think I think that there are, there are some options within the company now, but 
what I want, you know what, this comes back to everything I talked about with Joey Janela and the title that Taz gave Brian Cage. If you're going to put James Mitchell on the TV, tell us why. Give us a background. Because I know the Sinister Minister. I know that James Mitchell has been in the wrestling business probably for 30 years or whatever it is. But most people don't. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of people don't. And I and I feel like they all too often I, I remember when they uh when they were doing that terrible nightmare collective gimmick <laughs> and they had Luther yeah. come out and Excalibur's like, that's Luther. He's a legend and guy from England and death matches or something. And I was like, Well, that's the fucking most anticlimactic thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, I don't know yeah. who the fuck this guy is. He might be the greatest professional wrestler of all time and I've never seen him, but if you're gonna do something like that, you either gotta hype him beforehand or hype him huge afterwards. You know, show package yeah. after package on why they're important and why they're gonna make something different. If they're gonna put someone like that with Nyla Rose, there should be vignettes with once again, we're all coming off of what you, you know, someone that you would recommend and something you'd be interested in and something that you are taking on the left field. Yeah. But it would have to be vignettes for four weeks of him talking and selling himself and selling Nyla Rose and selling us on why we should care about this person being a manager. It can't just be Excalibur or Jim Ross or Tony Schiavone going, well, you know, he's been in wrestling before. <laughs> that's yeah. not enough. You know, that's really not enough. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. All right. So that is Fighter Fest. What do you think about the fact that Keith Lee won the uh the championship, the NXT championship tonight? We did not watch it. Yeah. What do you think about it? Impulse reactions. Uh, impulse reaction, I'm for it. Uh I I like Keith Lee. I I think that he is a breath of fresh air to uh, wrestling and to especially WWE because he is not your typical mold of what you would expect. And he's got just, he's got a great charisma about him. He's a great in ring worker. And I think it's a well-deserved uh, run for him. What they do with this now that he has both <clears throat> of the NXT singles titles I'll be interested to see. I mean, do they vacate? I mean, they, do they do a Warrior and Hogan from WrestleMania six? Do does he vacate the North American Championship? Uh, that that would probably be good because then we get to have another tournament, most likely, which is something that NXT loves to do and does very well, and like and, and sparks new feuds and continues feuds yeah. going on. I mean, there's a lot of great things that can happen with that. I think we've we've spoken many times about our love for uh, tournaments and tournaments. Eight, love tournaments. And NXT just always seems to to love to do them, and just piques my fancy when they do. Yeah, and it's it's good pro wrestling. I mean, it it, <laughs> it book they book themselves to a certain degree, you know. Yeah, it's pretty easy. <laughs> you know, the one thing I did not mention, I was just looking back through my notes of anything that I did not get out, but. I I always complain about the contrived catch spots 
where everyone gets together and they catch a guy jumping out from the ring or on from the stage or whatever. The Orange Cassidy spot during the Jericho match was one of the best ones I've seen in AEW. You remember that oh, when he was yeah, he yeah. jumped out on the ring apron and did like a flip off the apron from the ropes because it was fast. It did not take a, a million years to set up. It was shot well and it was impactful. And if I'm not mistaken, Ortiz didn't necessarily sell it like he got hit. Like he was only grazed and he he didn't do the whole like, oh, I got to fall down just like everyone else did. He kind of was like, oh, I didn't really get hit, so I'm not going to I'm not going to sell like I did. Uh, uh, I did not notice that. Honestly, I was noticing more like just the fact that it just kind of came out of nowhere. Didn't look like it was set up for 14 years. And I complain about these all the time. They can be done well. I thought this one was done, was done pretty well. Yeah. Sorry to go back to that, but it was in my notes and I complained too much to not point out when something exceeds my expectations. No, it's all good. All right. Um, anything else that you want to touch on? I don't think so, Mike. All right. Are you excited well, to watch NXT next week or over the next couple of days so we can talk uh, about yeah. it? Yeah, I am. Um, uh, what, uh, let's real quick look over the, the whole card. Um, Candice LeRae and Mia, uh, Mia Yim uh, looks like an interesting match. And then the, the six-man tag with uh, a legato de fantasma against Brazongo and Drake Maverick, uh, I feel like could be a good match, too. Could be. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that. But, yeah, Keith Lee, Adam Cole, uh, I really want to watch that one when I have uh, some time to sit down and watch them. Sure. All right. Thanks, everyone, once again for joining us. Uh, check out our social media uh, at Miss Spots. And then uh, listen to the show and subscribe to the show on the podcast app of your choice, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or even our website, MissBotsPodcast.com or simply MissBots.com. We'll catch you here next week where we'll be talking about uh, some more NXT and Fight for the Fallen, the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't know if it's technically a pay-per-view. We didn't do predictions, but whatever. We get Mox and Cage. Uh, We'll see you then. I'll pick Mox. I'll pick... I'm going to pick Cage. Wow. Okay. That's happening. It's done. Yeah. All right. Official. (laughs) See you then. Good night. Good wrestling.